Hello and welcome to Living Being. I'm Chris Park. I'm Patrick Randall. We love bees. There's so much uh, to learn. One never stops learning about bees. Bees are fascinating and they're over the most of the world. They have great relationships with flowers and uh, the, the plant kingdom in general. And wherever there are bees, there is health. Chris, how are you doing? Hey, Patrick, I'm well, yeah. Glorious sunny day and a bit of a heat wave happening. <laughs> it's, it's, a, yeah. it's nice, it's nice. I, I've been up on my roof today, actually. I've been gathering plants from my green roof, uh, to, put another, roof yeah, yeah. to put on another roundhouse roof that I've been making at the moment. And it's amazing up there. All the sedums are, there's like two levels of sedums. There's like these tall yellow ones. I forget what the names, but there's these tall yellow ones all flowering, covered in bees. And then there's like under, under, under that, there's a canopy of white sedums all flowering. And, it's, you know, I forget how, how nice the roof is unless I go up there, you know, because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just only aware of the ceiling. <laughs> and then whenever I go on the roof, especially this time of year, it's covered in bees. It's a joy to see. That's great, and 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 uh, do you do you get is it mainly sedums or does the gr the grasses take over? There's bits of grass up there too because it's, you know it's been wet on and off up until now, and you know there's we have some marigolds up there, the uh, chives have flowered and gone over to seed now. Yeah, there's a mixed there's mixed things and sort of like ragged robin and other things, uh, enjoying life on the roof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great, brilliant. But uh, so how's um, everything? It's been a funny year, isn't it, from uh, from the bees' point of view, uh, from beekeeping mm -hmm. point of view, if you thought? Or yes, yes, it was really cold weather. And... It was warm and dry to begin with, wasn't it, in kind of March. And yeah. then I think a lot of colonies built up really quickly and so brought on lots of brood really quickly and, and then starved because, I mean, that happened to one of my colonies, but I, uh, some bee farmer friends had had a... Had you know noticed a lot of that, and other beekeepers yeah. I've spoken to, sort of teaching skep making, they've, they've said similar stories that their colonies built up so quickly in the early springtime, and then so they yeah. had loads big big uh, brood pattern and lots of lots of eggs and lots of sealed brood, and then by by April it got cold, uh, and so the bees couldn't go out and bring in fresh nectar, and they'd run yeah. out of and they'd run out of stores. And, because yeah. it's, and it's so uh, some folks I know had to feed their bees in in the springtime, you know, in April, which is which is quite quite rare to have to do that. Yeah, yeah. it is actually. Yeah, was the, with the weather, the weather, the bees just couldn't get out. I mean, here it was. Yeah, it was during that time. It was uh, horrendous with um, you know rain and yeah wind and you know just not not sort of good flying flying times yeah, for the bees. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so West Wales is a bit so, wetter yeah. and a bit a bit moister, I suppose, isn't it? Than yeah, than Wiltshire yeah, than we're yeah. used to. Yeah, I mean it's uh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's a harder environment. It's windier, and uh, you know the the sort of. Um, I think it's we're a bit higher here, so uh, the temperatures tend to be a little bit lower. Um, but the bees mm -hmm. here have been coping well. But I have actually been remarking on all the bees here. I mean, it's been incredible because we've got these yeah. meadows around us. And, uh, 
uh-huh. um, the bumble the bumblebees are quite remarkable in that um, you know they're out earlier in the day, obviously, than the, yeah. than the honey honeybees, and, and also that a lot of the sort of natural hay meadow flowers that are here, like yellow rattle and mm-hmm. uh, red clover. Nice. Those flowers, just the bumblebees, absolutely love them. I never see a single honeybee on them. Okay, just a little carpet of bees. They're just, well, yeah, they're they're just uh, not the preferred, uh, you know, mm-hmm, nectar source mm-hmm. for the for the for the honeybees. So, what are your honeybees um, working on at the moment? Well, they're probably. I mean, they've been working on trees, you know, uh, through the year. Uh, mm-hmm. There was quite a lot of activity on sycamore. Okay. And um, you know the blackthorn and the hawthorn yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and things like that. But uh, so. And they've been on, they've been on uh, clover actually. There's quite a bit of white yeah. clover around here. And the brambles out here. Um, We've got brambles flowering. Brambles here. are there are brambles. I yeah. mean, I, you know, it's been a concern. Uh, I've been ridiculous in terms of how I've been monitoring how many brambles <laughs> things there are around. Here. It's definitely not a very yeah. brambly area. I think they they would be better, uh, you know. Be, I'd be better off having an apiary near near to a you know a woodland edge or something because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of amazing kind of woodland around here where where you you walk along and you see you know, just intensive amount of brambles. Yeah, yeah. So do you think you, do you think you might move your hives closer to forage or or do you think you just try and try and plant more forage where you are? Uh, that's a really good question. I think. Um, I think planting forage is a tricky one, isn't it? Because you'd you'd have to do an awful lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to make a difference. Yeah, uh, I mean, just walking the dog this morning. There's a load of knapweed up in the burial ground. I'm um, next to loads of henbane, and the bees are just all over that. And then over there, there's a field just full of lucerne, which is interspersed with white clover. <laughs> and and up there, there's a hedge just full of brambles. Uh, yeah, they're wag- they're waggle dancing um, down in the farmyard as well. You know, there th- are uh, yeah, it's quite a good season right at, right now as we're speaking. There's so much, so much out there for bees at the moment, and uh, that's that's nice. It's great. They haven't. They're going to have a great, a great few weeks, I think. But anyway, we we are uh, talking to Jen, Jen Moore, um, yes. who is uh, who we met through Mike um, Fairclough, yeah, of West Rise School. Yeah, Mike introduced us to Jen, and um, we thought it was really be really interesting to talk to Jen because um, she's been doing work with children in schools isn't she and uh, bringing the awareness of um, of not just the honeybee but bees generally to to school children yeah really refreshing attitude to bees isn't she yeah let's have a listen to our interview with Jen so Jen Jen Moore hello how are you Hello. Yes, I'm really well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto the pod. Not at all, not at all. We're really looking forward to talking to you. Hi, Jen. Nice to meet you. And you, and you. Yeah, how, is, uh, how is sunny Sussex? Are you in Sussex? It, yeah, it is Sussex. And um, yes, it is sunny as well, which is, um, which is very pleasant, actually. Yeah, so I'm just looking out over the cornfields outside my window. So that's rather lovely. Yeah, nice, nice. Good. And you're by the sea. Can you see the sea? Oh no, no! I'm a little way inland. Um, yeah. I'm so I'm about, I suppose, ten miles, ten, twelve miles inland. So yeah, I can't can't see the sea. So no, I'm I'm on a farm. So yeah. So yeah, with bees. Feels, 
I've got bees um, near me, yes. Uh, they're, they're in a paddock across the road from me. That's where my bees live. So, yeah. uh, no, I used to have quite a few in the garden, but it, it got a little bit antisocial. So <laughs> I, I moved them out into a paddock. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't mind, but other other people did, strangely. So, yeah. yes, but I've Jen got... Jen and her bees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how, how long have you been doing it? I've been keeping bees, uh, I think I started in about 20. 10 i've got my first colony um and um yeah so so however long that is really i've i've kind of lost a couple of years as we all have over the last you know so um but yeah quite a while and and is there a story that goes along with that yeah basically i mean i i got interested because i was doing a um an open university degree in natural sciences and Mm -hmm. um I was doing this sort of biology genetics module and uh, we were talking about uh, honeybee genetics, which, uh, as, you, as you probably know, is quite <laughs> quite complicated. Please don't ask me yeah. to explain. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought, wow, gosh, you know, honeybees, I never really knew. It. And then, of course, I realised that you can actually keep honeybees and you get sort of an insight into this amazing kind of colony life. Um, and so I thought, wow, yeah, I'd really like to do that. So, yeah, that was my... That was my in with. Uh, I mean, I, I've always I've always been in farming and ecology, and so you know. Uh, and what I really love about them is that kind of connection you get the landscape, and um, you know, sort of because of how and where they travel and um, what they feed on, it, it kind of really connects you to the landscape in a way that. I mean, I've got yeah, chickens, yeah. which mm-hmm. you might well hear at some point during the podcast. But I have yeah, chickens so, yeah, and yeah. chickens and ducks and and things and dog, cat, and I've had horses and, like I said, been in uh-huh. farming. But bees connect you in a way that no other animal really can. do. Yeah, really, really empathise with that. Yeah, you just become more and more aware of the subtle changes of the season and what the forage that's available and and look at the world from a sort of bees point of view don't you well i think i think i mean this is what i say to people it's amazing that you can stand next to a hive and the bees you know so you're in exactly the same place physically on the planet as your colony of bees and yet you experience or we you know we experience the world in a completely different way to the bees you know they have a completely different sort of suite of senses and I think that's quite humbling to sort of when we get so obsessed with our sort of mammalian view of the world and you sort of suddenly realize there's things like ultraviolet and pheromones and vibrations and 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 I just think it's a really powerful way to realize there's all this sort of untapped um you know or sort of unsensed world that you know us as humans don't get to don't get to experience and I think it's kind of really Mm -hmm. good for us to have that reminder sometimes that we don't always you know um you know just because we experience the world in a certain way is not the only way the planet operates yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it's the sort of raw raw instinct isn't it of the the honeybee that they just go go on and they just they just work and work and work and and do what they yeah. do, and we've yeah. we've lost a lot of that that sort of raw instinct as a species, haven't we? We, we've and I think I think especially so with with the management of honeybees, we've lost a lot of the nuance of of actually how the colony works, and you know my interest really with with bee colonies is, uh, I mean with with all the animals I've ever kept, I was I was told by somebody very early on. Uh, when I used to keep horses, they said, do you know what, you just need to try and keep them as naturally as possible. They don't, you know, you want, they want to eat grass, they want to be out running and this kind of thing and, and all this stuff we do, mm-hmm. which which kind of forces them to, to live in existence, which is very, very far from what they evolved to be. And that just sort of stuck with me. And, and that's, you know, been the same with all the with all the animals I've ever kept. And, and even with myself as well, I think, you know, and again, uh, the bees, 
I think it's quite representative of, of sort of this disconnection. And I think sometimes the kind of management of honeybees represents again the sort of disconnect somehow from the from the landscape with with a lot of the the kind of um emphasis on honey production and manipulations and things i think it's it's again it's just kind of this dominion over nature thing that it's you know us us humans are a little bit obsessed with yeah 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 we we um uh when we asked you on the on the podcast actually um we 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 took an interest in your interest in schools and uh, yeah. and education and um, can you tell us a bit about how you got involved with with um, with schools and bees? Yeah, sure. I was I've um, well I think just a little bit of background to me. I, I home educated my my three children. They're all grown up now. Um, well, they're all older <laughs> anyway. Um, and um, I, so I've always been sort of very interested in education and um, I got asked to do a few talks and things for schools and I ended up um, working with Westrise and Mike Fairclough, the head, um, was quite keen for me to help with the bees that they had, which had sort of started off as a bit of a project and then what with people moving away and, and sort of things sort of slightly changing, they'd become a little bit abandoned. And I took on um, the, the sort of management of the bees there uh, with my friend Paul. And um, I say management, it was basically just going around and, and looking at them and watching them and seeing how well they coped in this really, really barren, it's quite a barren landscape. It's, it's out on the marsh, yeah. it's very, did very you windy. The, did you do that with the children? Uh, no, to start with, it was just um, Paul and I went and and just sort just of sussed it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, they're in a warray, which and they'd it was it was really interesting to see them. They were sort of basically wild, feral, living bees, mm -hmm. and um, we then started to uh, you know we were looking at sort of how to incorporate it into the with the sort of children's learning and what we thought would be really interesting because you can get beekeeping in schools, but we thought it would be really interesting because it was set up as a bee sanctuary. And so we thought, well, the bees are just this sort of, I was, especially with that West, West Rise site, it's so sort of totemic to have this warray hive in the middle of this, you know, blank sort of, uh, you know, kind of wild looking landscape. And um, so that really became a sort of beacon, if you like. Can I just, I'm just thinking of the listeners and, and some people might not know what a warray oh, hive yeah. is. Yeah, and, so, uh, and so it's, it's a particular style of beekeeping. Isn't yes. It? Yeah, basically that, that, that it's... That suits, suits that kind of more natural, wild... Yeah, so a warray hive is... The boxes are a little bit smaller and you tend to work with boxes rather than frames. So normally you'd you'd be working individual frames within the box of, of the beehive, but with a warray you tend to sort of take it in sections um, and it's it's kind of tends to be a taller, narrower um, set of boxes. So And you just kind of alternate them around like Lego bricks, really. Um, so it's much less invasive because you're just moving moving sections of the beehive rather than. So it's than more like a more like a tree, isn't it? More like exactly. a wild colony. Yeah, yeah. So you've just got draw, sort of drawing the comb down column. from the top and it keeps going sure. down rather than yeah, yeah. being forced yeah. to go up. Definitely. So yeah. um, it's quite a and, and bees really like it in there. But um, so so we got to this hive and it was all a bit that the the hive itself was fine, but internally the bees had kind of created their own sort of space in there as they yeah. want to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just really interesting. So we just kept this one hive um, there, and we we don't open it up. We don't we add a add a box occasionally, but um, we've never taken any honey. And uh, it's got inspection windows on the back, so we were able to when the kids did go down there, 
uh, we were able to show them those and we used to put you know we put them in bee suits so that they could um, get really close to the hive but we didn't open the hive up yeah, yeah we had another we had a swarm from that hive that moved into a top bar which is another type of kind of natural low intervention type of hive yeah where bees draw their own comb and then yeah it's again so it's very natural it? yeah. yeah um it's, it looks a bit like a toblerone um and <laughs> it's um yeah and um and again so we had a swarm from the warre hive moved into the top bar yeah. And that, um, so we had two hives down there. And yeah, we used to get the, the children down there once a year for something called Bee Fest. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, yeah, just to go and look at the bees. And they used to get dressed up in their bee suits, which took far longer than actually looking at the bees, but it was quite yeah. <laughs> quite fun. And yeah. um, But they'd also do things like make bee hotels, bird boxes, um, and we gave them butterfly nets to be able to go around and sweep and find the uh, grasshoppers because there's thousands of grasshoppers down there. And I think it was just really great to show them that, yes, we have bees here, but they just kind of potter along in the background. They do their own thing, but they inspire the land management around there. And so we, we've reduced yeah, grazing yeah. near the bees, obviously, um, and we keep the water buffalo out as best we can. <laughs> and so, and that means that it's not grazed, which means the grass grows, which means it's better for grasshoppers and butterflies, wasps, spiders. So that it just it just shows that actually a beehive can be a great starting point for for sort of increased biodiversity, which I think is a message. Yeah, um, yeah a great. little bit lost yeah. sometimes. So yeah. they're not learning beekeeping; they're just learning no. bee ecology. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Great. And great. Yeah. but they can there. see them through the back through the glass in the yeah, back yeah and they as well. get to see the yeah. comb and they get to you know we we sat them down we said right okay what color pollen's going in and they smelled you know the scent from the hive because yeah. we tend to do it in sort of july um smelled the smell of the hive you know we pointed out the difference between drones and you know they felt completely safe and obviously a lot of children are, are scared of bees so we we kind of sure. said look they're, they're just coming and going they don't want to attack you or yeah, sting you yeah. or anything they're just doing their thing and talking about health and safety, I mean, uh, did you, I mean, there must have been like loads of risk assessments. And was kind of, I mean, well, did you have to be stocked or stocked up with antihistamines and epipens and all that well, kind of stuff? Well, I think I think with West Rise, um, it, it was a bit easier because Mike, the head, is has got a very healthy attitude towards kind of outdoorsy stuff like that. And like I said, the kids were all, you know, we said if you don't want to come near, that's completely fine. But if you do. You know, you you wear your bee suit and um, gloves and, uh, you know, we said you've got to be calm. Bees don't like lots of jumping around and and they they work with vibrations. So you've got to be nice and calm, no shouting, no waving your arms. And they were were all really, you know, really, really happy to do that. And I think, um, yeah, as far as the health and safety goes, it's of course it's important, but a bit like sort of roads are dangerous, which is why you stop before you cross them. And bees can be dangerous, which is why you treat them with respect and you give them give them some space and we sort of explained about the flight path and you know they watch them coming and going and you know just try to sort of give a bit of an understanding but but rather than saying all these are dangerous you don't go near them it's like well yes these are potentially dangerous but if you're sensible then there's no need to worry about it at all and and how were the kids what's their yeah, I mean, I think they were a bit disappointed that nobody got oh. stung, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and ran screaming, you know, from the site. That would have been so much more, especially. Um, but they were, yeah, they really enjoyed it. And I think they were, lots of them were like, oh, no, I'm scared. Oh, I'm going to get stung. Oh. Um, but but they were, obviously, it's completely fine. And like I said, the bees mm-hmm. were just coming and going and doing their thing and didn't notice. Yeah, I think the thing is that um, we're, you know, 
a lot of the time growing up, I was taught that bees sting all the time. You know, whatever you're doing, where, yeah. if you're near a bee, it's going to sting you. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and the, the subtlety is, you know, if you learn all the all the the actual life cycle of the bee and why it would sting you, you know, it's a defensive mechanism near the hive, isn't it? It's, or if you sure. tread on a bee or something like that. Those are the, yeah. the sort of two of the examples when you're going to get stung. And else, you know, all other times, you're 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 pretty safe from being stung by a bee. It's not out to get you. <laughs> And I think no, that's exactly. the difference. That's the difference. People are people sort of are taught that it they're always a danger. And um, if you can show yeah. people that they're, you know, they're sort of rarely a danger or um, only a danger in certain yeah. situations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's also a good good time to to tell them that bees aren't any more or less likely to sting than wasps, and actually wasps aren't horrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're just the only reason we don't like wasps is because we end up having more to do with them than we do with bees you know as in they sort of we tend to interact a bit more with wasps because they like the same things as we do whereas bees Mm -hmm. tend to be off you know on the flowers getting getting on with things i I think part and parcel with that the general reverence uh you know universal reverence for bees is the fact that they can sting you yeah and you know that there's these wonderful creatures that that produce these wonderful life-affirming substances but they can also sting you and, can, yeah. you know, and could, could kill you if you're allergic. And uh, so that there's a sort of there is a kind of I'm remembering uh, talking to a beekeeper at Ruskin Mill in Nailsworth. And they, yeah. they have you know uh, really naughty kids, or, you know, troubled children and adults. And, and the beekeeper there said, you know, these people, have, these, these kids, these, these teenagers, they've been rebelling and kind of um, and, and, you know, shouting and, and being aggressive at the, at the world all their lives. And suddenly they're around a beehive and they have to they have to like be respect. <laughs> they just yeah. this kind of calm comes about them and they, and they just respect the bees because they they know that they can get stung by these tiny little, tiny little creatures. Yeah. And, and so, so something about that that also. Uh, gives us a great sense of awe. Of, of yeah, these, definitely. Of these, yeah, and it is bees. always amazing when you know you get this this little thing sort of a centimetre long, and it buzzes you in a particular way, and it's like, oh, okay, fine, yep, yep, no, don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very humbling. A, a word in your ear, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you told me you had bees in a wall somewhere. Um, oh yes, that's a that's a school in Lewis, and I was contacted by them because they'd they'd been trying to work out how to get them destroyed, and mm. um, I I said, well, you could just like keep them there, and they said, oh, but we're so worried, and I said, well, why don't I come in and do a bit of a talk about them, and and sort of at least if people understand a little bit more about them, it it might at least inform your decision, and so I went in and did a talk um, about the bees in the wall. Um, and was able to explain that, yes, they're exactly the same bees that live in a hive, except they're living in a wall, which was a really good way of kind of just showing that actually bees are essentially pretty much a wild creature and um, can manage perfectly well without sort of intervention. Um, And that was that was a really interesting. And again, with the health and safety, uh, they um have they were they were quite concerned so they've they've put up a, a bit of a barrier around the wall um so just so the, to, you know to kind of keep the flight path away from the children but um yeah i explained look if you find one walking on the ground then just kind of you know don't 
thread on it or try and pick it up um it's probably best to just kind of um you know and, and i just sort of explain to them why they might be on the ground outside the the entrance um you know they might just get a bit tired or got a bit disoriented but they also um thought they had a swarm but it was in fact solitary bees on the playing field and they said we've got this swarm but they're all over the ground they're all just sort of bouncing up and grounds and i I, I very I sort of said well actually that's a that's a kind of that's a, a mating frenzy of solitary bees you know mm-hmm. <laughs> explain that to the kids anyway <laughs> um, and so it was um, yeah so that was that was really good to be able to explain then they had a different species in the their mm-hmm. sort of dry sandy bank in um, around by one of the other kind of uh, nursery playgrounds so they're, they're completely fine they're just solitary bees but it was really great because they of course assume they're all the same all the same thing which people do don't they they think there's a a, a kind of maybe a honeybee and a bumblebee and a wasp and that's the only thing you ever have to deal with them two of them are nice and one's horrible and and that tends to be the thing that just sticks (laughs) and we forget that there's 270 something species of bee in the uk and they all have different ecologies and different life cycles and you know it's really it's it's so really fascinating learn, part. Yeah, there's so much learn. so much follow up work that they could do, you know, and crafts and cooking and drawing and yeah, um, well, I, science I go and, and mathematics do, and all those things. Yeah, yeah, I go and do a a talk for them to one class. It tends to be on sort of classification, so um, where bees fit into the sort of um, you know classification regarding families and genus and this kind of thing. And then with the other one, it tends to be more on life cycles. So I do them to two different year groups and mm-hmm. you know use bees as a, a representative and it's it's quite good because i can then link that to um why you know so with the life cycle one it's about why you see those bees pretty much all year and then with the solitary bees you only see them for a couple of weeks and so and then with the um so yeah, it's just really good to be able to use the bees as yeah. a learning aid basically yeah. without yeah, the, without the, ever going near them yeah. yeah, what's really interesting about the solitary bees, I find, is is the niche. You know that the, they they have their niches, uh, and you, you've got these bees that suddenly, you know, appear in a sort of frenzy at a certain time sure. of year for maybe a couple of weeks, like the ivy mining bee or yeah, whatever. You know, just comes out, and then of course it's also got its parasite or whatever that's also around at the same time, and then they're gone. <laughs> know. You know, yeah, then, then they're all gone, and, and um, you know, not seen again until the following year. It's those niches that, that are probably really interesting to, to teach yeah, the kids exactly. about as well. Yeah, and I, I was once called to some uh, a swarm in, a, in kind of late September, and it was ivy bees, and but they'd all emerged and gone in somebody's conservatory. And um, <sighs> the strange thing was, uh, I mean, the, the whole window was covered in these ivy bees, and the strange thing was I went in and I thought, they're not honeybees. I mean, they look very, very like honeybees, and certainly from the video I'd been sent by the owner... Um, I thought they were, but it was very, the strangest thing was I thought that's not a honeybee buzz and it's not a honeybee smell. It smelled completely different pheromone. Um, right. And it was, it was really, really strange to, and yeah, I sort of scooped them up with a dustpan and brush and sort of <laughs> popped pop them outside. So, yes, that's strange. Right. I, I, I want to return back to honeybees. And because I, I just remember I talked to a lot of old beekeepers, you know, uh, I'm part of a beekeeping history trust and, and I collect stories from old beekeepers and quite a lot of the time they will say, oh, I first got into beekeeping from school, you know, so yeah. years ago, quite a, quite, quite a lot of schools had a beehive mm. and were teaching the kids beekeeping. And, uh, and what you're doing is great. And I think that's a, that's a really nice way to sort of come into bees from, a, from an ecological sure. angle as well. But I'm just wondering, uh, uh, have you ever or would you ever uh, kind of keep 
bees in a school and and take the kids and sort of teach them beekeeping? I don't think I would in a way. I think there's there's quite a lot of I mean I know there are some there are plenty of schools that do and do it very well. I think for for me the idea is more about um I mean I mean I regarding the the honeybees I think it's so it's so kind of as I said they're very sort of totemic but I think um to me it's more probably more important to be encouraging um you know really good planting for bumblebees sorcher bees creating home spaces for them because I think they are more under threat and more challenged by by sort of the modern world and I think yeah, yeah. really honeybees um there's there's ways of if if you want to have a, a sort of beehive in for a day or something you can get a beekeeper to bring their hive in to just show you what's going yeah. on but I think you can, you can even get photographed frames can't even be yeah. Be- yeah the British Beekeeping Association do a really good educational pack yeah they're called bees in education or something and schools can be sent that and yeah and, and, I, and so some I clubs think... have like a uh, this hive it's like a yeah, it's like it's got it's full of frames, but you just pull it out, and there's a photograph of the bees on the frame. Fantastic! And you can spot the queen. You know, you can see the pollen and the, and yeah. the honey, and, and there's no actually been no bees involved at all. No, so I think, it, but I think it is. I think they're very important, but I think it's and and if you've got the setup and you've got the correct people to be able to run things like that, I think it's absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I think the difficulty yeah. can be that people think, oh, let's get some bees. We need a hive, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think in we a way, do, if yeah. you want to include, you know, incorporate bees, it's much easier to sort of have an area of the playing field that doesn't get mown yeah. to sort of keep your scrubby areas growing up and and to go and look out for different species of bee and maybe provide more forage for the surrounding beehives rather than being too. Um, kind of uh, worried about having your own. Yeah, so to take you're sort of taking things back to first principles and just back to nature. It's yeah, li- literally, you know, the, uh, you don't need to keep bees at your school. You can just have bees at your school exactly. somewhere and in, in create the optimum environment for them in a worry hive or a log hive or something. And yeah, and then there they are. You know, and and they might send out a swarm each year, and they might. You know, yeah, they, I think they I think will we be, do. Yeah. Yeah, I think getting getting away from this thing that, oh, we've got to have bees. Oh, let's we must have a hive then. I mean, as I said, if you want to have a beehive, if you think you've got somewhere which is exceptionally good for honeybees, well, I'm sure there will be a beekeeper that would be happy to bring his hive mm-hmm. for a few months, maybe, which could yeah. be a fun way of doing it with a school, but without necessarily... Because, again, it's this whole thing of if we want bees, we have to get honeybees. And it's like, when, well, it's kind of... I think we had to be quite careful with the messaging. There's lots of ways of creating environments for bees, aren't there? I mean, um, that aren't just a hive. I mean, for honeybees, um, such as log hives. Yeah. And, uh, and more and more of those are kind of going up. Just empty and, trees. I mean, yeah. you know, empty cavities in empty trees. Cavity, you know, yeah. keeping... And I think, again... And you just sort of think actually keep, keeping our mature trees to provide homes for, yes, obviously honeybees, but also kestrels and woodpeckers and owls, you know, I think mm-hmm. get, bring them back into the environment and, yeah. and um, sort of cherishing the, the nature we have already rather than necessarily feeling we have to bring in something new with a... Yeah. Um, and and I, even I, allowing that that wild Connolly to collapse, you know, because well, at some point it will, it will become yeah. queenless or, you know, and but then the woodpeckers will go in and the wasps will go in and the... And you yeah. know, all the rodents and everything will go in and feed off, and the wax moth, and it's like it's like a, that's important as well, not to kind Absolutely. of try and sustain a colony to live forever sure. and ever and ever, but yeah. to, to to allow it to kind of burgeon and grow big and flower and then collapse again, and and maybe a couple of years later another swarm might exactly. go and inhabit. And, and it, of like course that. that in nature, and I think it, again with the management of our honeybees, we tend to forget that in nature they they can live for a long time, but it will be successive colonies 
repopulating and it'll be but it might be daughters or granddaughters of of the original colony yeah, so it's yeah. not when you say well they've died out you kind of think well yeah but if they send a swarm 300 meters away which then moves back a few a years later generations <laughs> down <laughs> yeah, right, is it yeah. have they really yeah. died out have but they? it's yeah, that right, sort of di- yeah. dynamism which again is our from our sort of human perspective is mm-hmm, is kind of quite mm-hmm. difficult to to sort of comprehend yeah that's a really interesting it's a really interesting uh, twist isn't it yeah 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 could you tell us a bit more about the Bee Fest? It sounds fascinating. Yeah, Bee Fest, um, yes, we get the children from all the year groups down and um, they are able to just sort of spend some time outside, I mean, which is a big thing, like I said, for West Rise anyway. But the um, the main thing is to just introduce them to the nature that having the bee sanctuary there brings to the um the the site uh, as i said it's it's not grazed it's not um you know visitors don't go in there because of the the beehive mm-hmm. that's there so this beehive does kind of you know emanating out from the beehive is this this great sense of sort of nature being protected around it and this is what i think mm-hmm. is so lovely about a beehive it does it kind of announces nature in a very sort of visible and tangible way and i think being able to to allow the children to come and see them but not necessarily you know interfere with the bees is is kind of a good thing and yeah there's this sort of enigma about a hive which i think is is yeah. a lovely thing and it's you know certainly it's great to be able to pull frames and show them comb and show them honey and this kind of thing but actually there's something in a way a bit even more wondrous about saying no they're in there and you can have a yeah. little look in the yeah. windows but you can't see all the way in you can't fiddle with them and you can't actually we're not going to pull frames and we're not going to open them up. We're not going to disturb them because do you know what? They're doing their thing. And sometimes we just need to watch and appreciate and listen and smell without actually mm-hmm. having to do it just because we can. Yeah, so they become more sacred. And and it's like the word, the word sacred is so intimately linked with the word secret, isn't yes. it? And, and so there's that... There's that that mysteriousness that they they've uh, that the mysteries are really sort of slowly revealed rather than just boom there you see everything everything scrutinized and got a light shined upon it and yeah exactly and, and uh it reminded me of uh, i was talking to a friend of mine he's a beef he's a bee farmer recently and he used to work in africa and he's saying and he's telling me a story about climbing a tree in ethiopia with a beekeeper there and looking at some log hives and the guy turned around and he said and he said beekeeper uh, he said uh the beekeeper's sense is not looking, you know, because so much of today is about screens and looking and yeah, scrutinising. Yeah, he said beekeep- yeah. the beekeeper's senses are listening and, and touching. And he, and he sort of yeah. cracked off the back of this log hive and he, he said that it just hissed, you know, and he listened <laughs> until it calmed down. And then when they were making the right noise, he sort of reached his arm in really slowly and sort of felt around inside. And like, inside, and about you know, sort of a minute later, he pulled out this perfect comb with not a bee on it, you know. And then it was, yeah. it was, there was some honeycomb. And it, and it really changed my view of beekeeping in the past you know and then how so much contemporary beekeeping is about knowing and that knowledge and it's really scientific and but about having to know everything and timing and all that kind of stuff but but uh but so so really celebrate what you're doing and and especially teaching kids from such a young age to to view bees and not not again not as something that that you can know everything about or control but just to see them in the from a in in a, the wider picture and, and with such reverence, it's great. Yeah, and another lovely thing is that obviously when I'm doing the um, the the talk, I'm I'm able to say if you live within like ten minute walk from the school, these bees will be visiting your garden. So what happens yeah. in your garden will be you know appreciated or 
otherwise by by these bees so just you know again given this mindfulness that you see the bees coming back and they might well have been in your garden so if you're planting good plants for them and you're not using insecticides etc then you're going to be helping these bees here and I think again that gives them a sort of connectivity which is lovely when you've got kind of village schools or community groups that sort of live in and around near the hives mm-hmm. you know it's really able it's really good for being able to kind of engage people like with the local beekeeping it's the same with the other bees, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, if you've got a bumblebee nest and, um, you know, you know that you know, those bumblebees are sort of foraging and around. And what you were saying earlier on, Chris, about sound is really interesting because when you tune into a colony of honeybees and you then start tuning into other insects, don't you? And you start to notice the intensity that there can yeah. be with, with, with bumblebees around foraging and you know, wherever you are, and, and that, that, that sense that the, the world is never quiet, you know. There's, yeah, there's definitely. Never, there's never complete silence because there's, there's, a, there's insects and things, you know, doing their thing all the time, and it really opens your, your ears, ears to it as well as your eyes. And, yeah, you know. every day is a school day. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant to hear that you're doing so, so much with children who, are, you know, ultimately the next generation of... Um, you know, of, of wise Absolutely. people to be, to be wise to yes. the um, to the world we live in, especially now. It's critical that they that they that people understand. You know, what we're going through with climate change and yeah, completely. I think it's it's so important, but also doing it in a way which isn't sort of too drum banging and finger wagging, but just sort of like, look, it's all this out here to appreciate, yeah. isn't it beautiful? Yeah. You know, lovely. my eldest daughter is allergic to bee venom. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she, she's never had an anaphylactic shock. But you know, her her mum took her to get tested, and she you know she came up as as allergic. And I just and uh, and I just said, well, how how would she feel if there was like some bees in her school? She obviously wouldn't go near them. Yeah. And or she but she carries you know she carries an epipen. And uh, and I'm just wondering. I'm just I just say, I don't know, I haven't really got a question. I, I just just it's just I'm just contemplating that you know. There, there will be children in schools who might not even be aware that they're allergic to bee to bee venom, and and I'm just wondering how how what's the kind of best best way to well I suppose educate them. it's a bit I suppose the thing is that if you if you know you've got bees then you're going to be more likely to be sort of you're you're going to know that there's that possibility so perhaps a little bit more forewarned is forearmed kind of thing about yeah. you know the fact that if you don't know you're allergic then but maybe yes sort of have a bit more provision in place if you know you've got bees but in a way somebody could keep a beehive three houses up from from where the school is and you wouldn't yes. know they were there yeah. and they'd be in the and as you said they they could easily get trodden on or sat on or, or something yeah like that. exactly and exactly that that happened actually uh you know she she never goes near a beehive but she trod on one on just in a park yeah so i guess you if you're going to get it you're going to get it but uh but yeah so i'm I just thinking about you know and I've got, I suppose this is more relevant to people that might be beekeeping in schools, and and ha- I'm just really interested in how they deal with all of the, the you know. The sort well, of I I do a blog post. I mean, I've yeah, yeah I've done a I've, I do blog posts and I share it, which then goes out in the school newsletter. And I've said, mm-hmm. look, if you ever want me to do a sort of question and answer session for the parents, you know, uh, for you to print in your newsletter, I'm more than happy to do that. And I think again, it's just about this. It's this thing of. Um, 
you know, having respect and having acknowledgement that, yes, they, they can be dangerous, but then it's, you know, we, we do have to learn to live with it in, in a way which is, um, you know, sort of a, a mutualistic way of existing on the planet together. And I think, course, as you say, yeah. if it's um, in a way, if you've got bees there, you're going to be much more aware of the fact that there are bees there and potentially mm-hmm. mitigate for, for any problems than, say, if you don't have bees on site you maybe won't have the same range of of sort of strategies and i think it is important for people to know i mean as you said um it's important for people to understand what to do with the bee sting whether or not they're allergic because a lot of people say yeah, oh i'm allergic because yeah. my hand really swelled up and yeah. you said that no 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 that's well, normal yeah that's a natural you know, reaction yeah. exactly and, yeah. and um you know i think people are really horrified sometimes but just about the swelling and the itch and the the heat mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. comes from a bee sting which is not an allergic reaction it's i mean it is obviously yeah. your body's immune yeah, so, system responding mm-hmm. but it's not the same as you know anaphylaxis is obviously you know rashes swelling yeah. and that's why you, reaction yeah Exactly, and that's why you need to, you know, sort of be on hand uh, regarding getting somebody treated. But I think, uh, again, educating people that actually swelling, itching, heat for two or three days after that, you know, Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. can last two or three days is actually normal rather than, oh, I'm allergic. Um, Because that, again, sort of slightly um, is, you know, um, it's like with a lot of these sort of, are you allergic or are you sensitive or do you, I mean... Um, yeah, or did you just not enjoy that experience so much yeah, exactly. that you, you think you're allergic or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And and it is, um, and also just teaching people to get the sting out as soon as possible because, of course, as we all know, the difference between a, a quick ping, which is in mm-hmm. your skin for a fraction of a second compared to the full sort of yeah, yeah, pump yeah. of venom can be quite a marked difference yeah. in its... Um, and often it can be the fear of the sting body. that's that's worse than the actual sting can't it as well if you, I mean, even if you don't get stung you can that just that stress that one might feel of uh, of worried about yeah of being worried about being stung when actually sometimes yeah. getting stung isn't that bad you don't really swell up at all you know if you, if i ever get stung on you know on, on certain parts of my body it just doesn't swell other yeah. parts you know if, if it's like a wrist i'm always using my hands and it can swell a bit yeah. but other places it's just oh, yeah. there's another just another sting <laughs> and uh, Sorry, B. Um, Jane, can I just ask you the question? Um, why do you think it's important for children to learn about bees in general? I think I think the good thing about bees is they're very charismatic, and everybody knows what a bee is, and they might not be particularly. They might probably know what a ladybird is, perhaps, and and perhaps some butterflies. But I, th- I think the good thing about learning about bees is that they're very they're very um, you know hefted into the landscape and they're very as i said very visible and we have this this um option of having beehives and you know bumblebee colonies are becoming much more common as well and so i think it's it's just the good thing about learning about bees is they're they kind of work on our level you know they're not nocturnal they you know they're out and about when it's nice and sunny they don't work in the rain um also it's a cockerel in the background um and um yeah and um so i think um you know bees are very they're they're very good sort of entry level um insects to to get children engaged and yeah the and um the fact that they some of them do produce honey is is a is an important factor but the fact that bumblebees are kind of fuzzy and you know bumble around um is uh you, you know they're, they're very engaging insects which i think maybe other insects yeah. you can struggle a little bit with but um yeah i think i think they're very good way 
people, you know, most people really like bees and uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, it's what it could be for misinformation. But I think the fact that most people, um, uh, you know, instantly feel quite attracted and, and engaged with bees is, is a great way of, of getting children and frankly, their parents, um, you know, engaged with the natural world and, mm-hmm. you know, planting flowers. Well, who doesn't yeah. like having more flowers around? Um, you know, who doesn't like to see clover in lawns and this sort of, and I think again, encouraging, um, you know, if, if children are going and sort of encouraging, you know, their parents in the garden or, and, and things like that, it, I, th- I think it's a great way of sort of get, getting sort of different generations involved. Well, thanks so much, Jen, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on uh, with, with, with Cockerel. Yes, <laughs> I know they've all started. The trouble is one goes, and like, what, 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 hang on. <laughs> no, it's great to talk to you. And yeah, thanks so much. That's a pleasure. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Keep, keep up, keep up the good work. Will do. Okay, bye. What a wonderful woman and great work she's doing. I, I love her, love the way she is sort of taking things back to, right back to nature. I mean, it's such a, such a cliche, isn't it? But she's, she's taking, the, like, right back to, to not looking at beekeeping, but just looking at how bees are in an environment and, and, how, and all, the, uh, the, all the interconnectedness of them and, and using that as an educational tool to inspire children. Brilliant work, brilliant work. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, what I love is, as you've said, is um, she is a beekeeper. She's obviously fascinated, as we've we all are. I think when you get into beekeeping, you you look in the hive and see it, smell it, and hear the the, the sounds of of the hive. You get totally drawn in by this sort of mesmeric kind of uh, activity that the that the bees are. Uh, I mean, they are truly remarkable creatures and truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they interact in the, in, in the economy is, is amazing. But she's not sort of focused on, you know, you could take that and you say, okay, well, let's go and set up, you know, four hives at a school and, and have an apiary yeah. and then have all the children wearing bee suits and we're going to teach them how you manipulate the bees and how you take the frames out <laughs> yeah, and how you collect yeah. the honey. And, you know, which is actually quite, I mean, is it, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, and really educational first, as well. You, Really educational. Yeah. That first time you hold a frame mm. of bees up and 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 look at it, mm. it's truly remarkable. But it's very, it's very one sided, isn't yeah. it? It's very, it's very like, sort of like we're getting what we want, and the bees aren't necessarily getting what they need. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the way what she's doing is she's sort of looking at the whole. She's actually using the bee, the honey bee, as a, as a way in. Mm-hmm. You know, as an emblem mm-hmm. of uh, of our of, of the ecology that we live yeah. in, and. Uh, yeah taking that, you know, widening that out to all the other bees. And then, of course, then you look at all the forage that there is for mm-hmm. for those for all those bees. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, how can we sustain, help to sustain, you know, a whole ecology of, yeah. uh, of, of insects and that are dependent on, um, on uh, you know, on plants and flowers and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, her, her kind of main point is like reverence and respect of nature. And fast fascination yeah. with nature, rather than um, you know scrutinising sort of scientifically uh, understanding. I suppose, I suppose there must be part of that as well. But 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 from a from a res- from a respect in a respectful way that doesn't mean you know opening up the hive and exposing it to light and dispersing the hive scent and lowering the temperature and breaking propolis and maybe squashing bees and everything that happens you know accidentally through 
beekeeping practice. It's like she's just yeah. saying, "Hey kids, look, look, here's some bees, and you can have a look in the back of the hive, you know, through this little glass panel." And they're all suited up, so they're feeling safe anyway and inspired. And then, and then they sort of go away, and they never. For, I bet they never forget that experience. You know, they, they'll always That's have right. that memory for the rest of their lives you know when they think back to their school years i'm sure they will yeah and this is something that could happen in schools all over the world isn't it you know you could you don't yeah. have to have an apiary you don't have to have have kids beekeeping but you could have somewhere in the school grounds or on the roof of the school or somewhere a colony of bees because uh, bees manage themselves you know they've been doing it for 120 million years they, they're experts yeah. at adaptation they don't need any intervention from us uh, you can have this some kind of cavity for bees uh, that's protected from the elements and the rain and the weather and pests and, and, and other things. And uh, perhaps with a little door in the back so you can view them once in a while. And, and what a great, what a yeah. great thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, um, I think her, her approach is so sort of uh, careful and, and, um, and sensitive to, you know, to, to the whole of, uh, the whole of nature and, all, and also the, the, what those kids are getting out of it, you know, so it's a sort of, it's a very wide um, view of uh, of everything, and it's really mm. important that they that they should uh, th th they should keep that in mind. That the one thing is not you know concentrating on one species is uh, is all very well for getting to know that specific species, but it doesn't put it into the context of of its of the wider environment. That's a really good point, Patrick. Yeah, they're not just learning when they go and see the bees, you know, that's probably probably is the most memorable thing, but they're not just learning about that. They're learning about bees in a meadow with plants and how they might visit their gardens at home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it isn't just I mean, what what is the important thing is uh it's not just, you know, keeping bees in hives, is it? It's about uh forage and uh, you know, you can you can have a bee beehive somewhere and um you know expect them magically to make honey but uh where's where's that coming from you know where's yeah. how's that being made yeah. and you know that's that's the real wider picture of uh yeah that quite often people but i think the thing is that um also you know people the, the honeybee gets quite a lot of press doesn't it, mm -hmm. it gets a lot of press mm -hmm. it's an emblem uh, really there are 270 species of of, of, of bee mm -hmm. and uh they've all got their own niches their own sort of separate uh roles within within uh and they all interrelate you know so it just using the honeybee to get in there is, <laughs> is a great thing but then to actually once you've done that um you know i think that for, for the kids it's fascinating to learn about all the other bees as well yeah 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 certainly yeah. they're also underrepresented aren't they in, in yeah <laughs> Mojie, you've got well, you've got yeah. some pretty nerdy books that i haven't got about bee, about <laughs> yeah but i don't read them <laughs> okay. anyway good to talk to you chris yes. and um thanks for listening to living being and uh you can uh check us out on facebook and uh tweet about us or um look on our website because we always put lots of pictures up of the um of, uh, about you know relating to the people we're talking to so there's more information there www.livingbeing.com and look forward to seeing you next time on living being yes yeah cheerio and and, and I, I do feel like you know um the the jen's uh the headmaster of the school that jen works in is an old friend of mine mike fairclough and 
And I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and he's written a book recently, which kind of relates to bees and relates to the whole ethic of the school. And it's called Wild Thing. And I just wanted to kind of plug Mike's book because you know, oh, yeah, I've got, co- yeah. got a copy of that. And it's a, and it's really simple, but really inspiring. It's like, you know, it's like perfect for, it's, it's just a, a nugget of, of, of wisdom in a really simple way, talking about how to, inha- how to re- revive those kind of, that childhood fascination of the world as a kind of creative strategy for health and well-being as an adult. It's brilliant, brilliant, but a wild thing by Mike yeah. Fairclough, the headmaster of West Rise School, where Jen uh, works and inspires kids about bees. Brilliant. See you next time. Yeah. Cheerio. Bye-bye.